your Division II champions, Grand Valley State. Congratulations to the Lakers. For the sixth time in program history, they are the national champions. Grand Valley has its third national championship in four years. Grand Valley State celebrating a national championship in Division II. It's the Ankara Podcast, presented by the Grand Valley Sports Network. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Anchor Up Podcast. We've got a great show for you this week. We are with head women's basketball coach Mike Williams. Their season a month away. We're going to preview that. We're also going to talk a little bit as the BCS College football playoff comes into better focus and some other things around professional and collegiate sports, including Grand Valley State, as we get ready to get things started next month. All of that and more here on the Anchor Up Podcast brought to you by Metro Health, the official sports medicine provider of GVSU Athletics, your health, our passion. Jake Levy here with you once again, joined by my co-host Tim Knott. And Tim, back in Allendale now with you. Excited to see you face-to-face yet again. Still socially distant, of course, but no no longer broadcasting from my mom's basement. So it's a nice little step up for us. Yeah, so we've advanced past the basement podcast, uh, so we're we're moving up the ladder. Uh, It's good to see you again. Uh, You you know, you, uh, you, you know, a dog owner. Now a dog owner. I still need a haircut, though. You made a few comments about that. bought a new car. New car, your, new your dog. Your car probably wasn't going to make it back. Uh, definitely would not have made it back. Um, I drove through an ice storm in uh, the Ohio border. Yeah, you're there's, in there's no way that right. Toyota Camry was making right. it. So, so yeah, you, a lot's changed in your life. A lot has changed. Uh, you, know you, got, you got a fence in the backyard? Let's tell people, though, just so they don't think I'm just big spender. The, the Toyota Camry I had was an 07, so I haven't had a yeah, new car it, in had, about 14 years. So I think I was due life. for a little bit of an upgrade. Yep, that so. had lived its life. You were It was on its last leg. It didn't owe me anything, that's for darn no. sure. But we are excited. There's a lot of change in my life, a lot of change now as we get to actually talk about sports at the Grand Valley level because they're on their way, folks. We're talking about January 8th, women's basketball tips off at Saginaw Valley, the very first home event is going to be on January 9th when the GVSU men's basketball team hosts Saginaw Valley. That game will be available to you on the Grand Valley Sports Network, and we cannot wait for that 1 p.m. tip-off on the 9th. And, Tim, one month away, sports are almost back here at Grand Valley. Sports are almost back. Uh, Track and field will be starting that weekend as well. Uh, Swimming and diving is a couple weeks weeks out. out. So a full slate of track and field. Um, Can't... Can't forget about the track and field. The oh, yeah, they community. got three in January, and, um, three in February. They, they got six coming for us in the yeah, they, meets. Yeah, they're going to be hot and heavy. And uh, week after week, um, leading up to the uh, the big meet, two-day big meet. And again, you know, it'll be a little bit, be a little bit different this year with uh, fewer teams, uh, no fans. Um, but, uh, yeah, ex- excited for sports in general. Uh, we, we've waited a long time, over 300 days. And uh, so we're excited to get back at it. Yeah, and that's part of the news that came out this week as well, that there will be no spectators when winter sports begin. And it's not really news. We kind of knew it was coming with all the CDC guidelines, state and local regulations that have kind of put us in a position where there really was no decision to be made. It was just officially announced that there will not be spectators allowed to start the season. And you know what? I, I think Kerry Becker said it great in that press release that came out yesterday, Tim, in talking about these student athletes, these coaches, they've sacrificed so much. They've worked so hard hard to get themselves in a position to compete. We don't want to do anything that would jeopardize that or have any adverse effect to their health or safety when they're playing the games they love and they have that opportunity. We want to do everything within our power to keep it that way. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's going to be a fluid situation, though, because as, you know, hopefully those vaccines start uh, coming out, um, you know, they're going to start getting uh, uh, put out here shortly. Um, you know, it could be a fluid situation where, Midway through the basketball season, we might be able to entertain the thought of having parents at games. Maybe uh, a percentage on the based on the um, uh, size of the arena. So hopefully, hopefully we we'll be able to get there, and uh, and Laker fans will be able to watch their teams play. We hit this number to Coach Williams during the interview as well, but 307 days. When January 9th hits, that's how many days it'll be between that GLIAC Men's Basketball Tournament Championship way back on March 17th. And now here on January 9th, a huge gap. You mentioned it just for a quick moment, but I want to get back to this here kind of in-depth on this podcast, Tim. Your 30-plus year professional career of working in sports information, athletic communications, you've never had a off-season quite like this. No, no. I've never had a year where uh, anything like this, obviously. Um, you know, and, and, and 
you and I talk, have talked about that's the fun part of the job. Right. I mean, it's why we do what we do. Yeah, that's why we do what we do. And uh, and you know, we've we've had that taken away um, on a lesser scale than the student athletes and coaches. Um, but uh, again, that's why why we do what we do. And that you know, we enjoy reporting those events and and doing those stories and and making those road trips. And although we're not going to be doing that this year, we're going to be taking care of our home events. Um, you know, just to get back in the on the court, the field, uh, the arena, the track, and uh, the pool. Um, the student-athletes are looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to it as well. 307 is definitely a record for you. I know it's a record for me oh, as yeah. well. Before this, could Not you think, what, what would be your your probable maximum number of days oh. if you had to guess before I mean, this it, year well, it, that you'd gone between sporting events? It'd be like nine, 60 days. I mean, you could say the end of a baseball season or a track and field season that ends in June, and then that time where you have basically maybe june and july and then you start playing again in right august. then august so, football training camps you know, underway and here 60 we go days probably you know so yeah maybe. more than quadruple that yeah, for this exactly. year i hope you found yes. some interesting hobbies to help kill the time and didn't spend too much time uh trolling through video or uh, message boards and spending too much time going down rabbit holes but i'm sure no you i did. although i did I, I have uh pat mcafee i'm a huge pat mcafee guy now i found his podcast um Behind this podcast, I was going to say, don't don't be podcast, touting up the competition um, now. Uh, Pat's uh, podcast, he's 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 actually a lot funnier than I am. I'd, I'd love to kind of emulate him. Yeah, after you're done listening to the entire Anchor Up podcast, and you make sure you've heard every single episode yep. we've done, please go ahead and check out the Pat yep. McAfee. But not before. You got to make sure that you so listen I to have, all the Anchor I have Up podcast, podcast in my life. Speaking of which, the Anchor Up podcast is brought to you in part by NovaCare. Discover the power of physical therapy. NovaCare is the official physical therapy provider of GVSU Athletics. Also brought to you in part by PNC Bank, who is the official bank of GVSU Athletics. PNC Bank for the achiever in you. And by Earhart Construction, the official construction company of the Grand Valley Sports Network. Well, another news for you, Tim. It's been kind of warm outside, at least. So we've been looking at mid-40s. I was able to play golf in December last week, which is incredible. So on the downside, you know, obviously, kids have been kept out of gyms and not been able to really get the workouts they wanted. But I think one of the things that helped, and Coach Williams touched on this a little bit, having the nice weather as long as we did into the fall has still given these kids that play indoor sports an opportunity to get better, even though they really weren't able to do practice the way they wanted to. Absolutely. We're in December, and I have seen kids outside shooting on the outside baskets by the tennis courts. I've been riding my bike outside. Um, and so the, the nice weather has really kind of – uh, made it more bearable because uh, you can still do things outside. Um, I've seen uh, golfers out on golf courses, out in the Meadows Golf Course here on campus. I've seen golfers out there. And we're talking it's down December 8th and 9th. And uh, to be golfing outside in Michigan, unheard of. Yeah, I don't think many people would be uh – counting on that on their calendars yeah. as uh, as the year begins, but certainly a, a nice, pleasant welcome surprise and a silver lining in 2020 here in December as the calendar year is almost over, and that means that winter sports are almost here, so with the basketball season coming, and we talked about it with Coach Williams, but let's preview this women's basketball team a little bit, Tim, because they're a brand-new-look team. They lose all five starters. They lose seven seniors from last year, the winningest class in program history. We've talked about all the awards they won. Cassidy Bench was a finalist for Female of the Year. He talked about all the All-Americans they have, all the All-Conference players they have. They're all gone now. And Coach Williams talked about it a little bit. There's a sense of urgency in that new upper class that's going to now have to step into those roles. And all of a sudden, you know, there's no easing into it because during COVID, they didn't really get a chance to go through the normal, oh, you play a couple of practice right. games in the summer, you do those tournaments, then you come and you do your normal offseason. Nope, you got a month. Go figure it out. <laughs> well, we, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen some practices, and, and you can see where – these individuals have stepped up, and uh, some of the individuals that, that were in the background last two or three years uh, now realize it's their time, and, and, and they're, they're going to be responsible for leading the team um, uh, in, in all those categories. And uh, it's been fun to watch that maturity and growth, and that's part of the, the, that is the great part of our job is that we're not in professional sports where, you know, it's every, every year new kids come in, kids leave. And you watch these kids progress through their four years. And it, that's the fun part of the job is watching them go from that freshman, that timid freshman who, you know, doesn't want to make a mistake, doesn't say anything to the, the second or third year. And then they become the leaders. They become more uh, boisterous and, and vocal and they step up when they, when they need it most. And that's been a fun part to watch this women's basketball team 
um, in, in the fall here, progress through their workouts and it, watching them at practice. And some individuals that you and I really probably didn't think were going to be shooters became shooters right. just through, uh, you know, their skill development. And, again, we, we you know, Coach Williams alluded to it in, the, in the, our interview with him. He is huge into skill development, and he thinks that is a missing from the game of basketball. Too much five-on-five. You're not getting better five-on-five in terms of your skill development. It's it's muscle memory, muscle repetition. And that's how you become a shooter, by shooting the ball. Not just playing five-on-five basketball where you maybe in a game where you get five, six, seven, ten shots when you're playing pickup. It's by taking 150, 200 shots, 300 shots a day. Well, you know, I kind of equate it to when you're playing golf, right? And you have a shot through the trees, off some brush, in a weird angle. You don't practice that at the no. driving range. At the driving range, you practice your nice, smooth swing yep. off a flat ground. When you get into those situations, that's the only time you can really practice it. But you're also in the pressure situation. So I always tell every time I'm on the golf course and I'm in one of those situations, I always say to myself, you know what? Next time I hit the range, I'm going to intentionally try to do some punch shots. Or you're gonna, I'm going to try to ruffle up the grass and try to hit off some rough stuff. you got to find ways to simulate what you're going to see in a real game and that's he does such a good job and we talked to him about it during the interview he does such a good job of coming up with these drills and these wacky things that where the heck did he think of this but he comes up with these ideas of ways to simulate what they'll do in a game without making you think that's what it is like how is jumping up and smacking a ball off a broom the same as going for a rebound in a game well, he found a way to make that right. simulate what it would be. And I, th- and I think that also confidence plays a huge role in this. You know, when you have five senior starters coming back for their senior – or five junior starters coming back for their senior year, as, as a player, yeah, you want to get in the lineup, but you also understand the pecking order. Like, sure. uh, there's only so much time in a, in a game. Hey, you're and, not taking minutes and, away from no, Cassidy Bench, who's a exactly. reigning All-American. And so now they know, hey, listen, this is – I need to step up. Uh, this is – this, uh, you know, playing time – is you know I need to take advantage of it, and it's been fun watching their development and watching them step up and realize this is my time, and I need to take advantage. Which is kind of interesting because it's different than the last two conversations we had with the fall sport athletes who still have a while to go until right. their season. You know, we talked to, talk to Coach Mitchell, talked to Coach Hostler. Both of them kind of talked about the nice part of them not having players worry about where they are on the depth right. chart. Don't worry about your minutes. Don't worry about where you are in the two deep. Just get better at your craft. Mm-hmm. This class is almost the opposite. They've had two or three years, depending on who you're talking about, right. of being in that position, the work while you wait, the your time will come. Now their time is here, and they get to step on that throttle. Right, and that, that they, they need to be ready for it. You know, I mean, there's no, there's no one going to be going, ah, you know, at the Grand Valley, we understand you have five new starters. We'll take you. No, teams come in. We're the red-letter game for all of our opponents, and, uh, and they understand the target that's on their back based on the previous success of the, of the you know, since Coach Williams has been here. Oh and yeah. So, uh, so they need to be ready. There's teams that are going to be gunning for us, and uh, we'll see what happens in January. Yeah, a month away from the season. Coach Williams, good enough to give us some of his time. Let's get to that interview with head coach Mike Williams. All of our guest interviews are presented by Alliance Beverage. Coors Light reminds you to drink responsibly. It's distributed locally here in West Michigan by Alliance Beverage. All right, here is the head women's basketball coach at Grand Valley State, Mike Williams. And with that, we welcome on GVSU women's basketball coach Mike Williams. Good enough to join us. The Laker women's basketball team will be the first team to play when we get rolling in 2021. Can't believe it's only a month away until we get started with sports again. Looking forward to it, but coach, in the meantime, thanks for coming on with us. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, had a chance to get out and uh, actually practice today, so it was kind of a it was kind of a neat day, kind of a fun day you know and I, and I think a lot of people enjoyed it coaches uh enjoyed it, and i think the players really enjoyed it yeah this comes out on thursday so yesterday as we're talking about this now you got to finally do some real contact five on five that was the first time really that your team's been able to play against each other since this pandemic hit right first time so it's been uh yeah it was it was interesting I, better better than we thought it was going to go but it was uh yeah, it was the first time we've had live ammo. Didn't know what to expect. And uh, What were your expectations? I mean, when you go into that, what, what are you expecting from them, from what you've been doing three-on-three, two-on-two, one, you know? You know, we did, we've, I thought we did a really good job uh, simulating drills and with the, the one-on-zero social distancing. Um, you know, a lot of drills that we try to simulate. We use blocking dummies. We use cones. Um 
you know, to, to kind of simulate defense and guarding defense and all that. And I thought we did a real good job. Uh, Coach Kerr and Jen DeBoer did a great job, I think, keeping our players in shape the last three weeks when the order came down and before that as well um, by getting them in the turf three days a week, uh, spinning, doing some pool workouts, lifting. And I thought the biggest thing I thought today was what would be how would our wind hold up? Because when there's when you're going against somebody, it's a little different than going against nobody. You you got to get a little more pop in your step. You go a little bit harder. You're on offense. You're on defense. And I thought that uh, I thought our kids were in shape. And I and I we thought it'd be sloppy, and it wasn't sloppy. So um, we were generally it was it was uh, pleased and and maybe even surprised at, at how well it went the first day. Coach, what was the energy level like? Could you sense a palpable difference in the energy level when they got to play contact five-on-five? Five? Oh, there's no question. There's no question it picked up. Uh, you know, we, we talk to them all the time. When you're going one-on-zero, you got to push yourself. you got to go hard. you got to give your best effort. And, it, you know, you can say that, but it's it's hard to do, you know. And, and I thought our players did about as good a job as you could. And then we got to go against the defense today and, and, and guard some people, um, I thought they did. I thought they went hard, but you're right. It was it was a different level today. Obviously, the enthusiasm was there. The excitement was there. And, uh, you know, it's like it used to be back, you know, when we started, you could only go in small groups of four. You know, four, or four in a group I think was the max. You could go two hours a week. Well, then they've kind of progressed through that. And then you could go um, – now we this I think the past year was eight hours a week, and you could do five on five if you wanted to um, after the first two weeks of school. So, you know, it used to be back in the day when October fifteenth hit, it was like you know Christmas time, right. ready to go. Okay, we're five on five, we're live, we're not doing these drills, um, you know, one on one, two on two stuff, and so that's kind of how it was. You know, it was just like the, the excitement was crazy, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. As you look at it, usually, like that October 15th date, you're usually about a month out from your first game. So even though, obviously, everything's been very different this year, it's almost kind of the same. How does that game plan now progress over the next month, theoretically, as you go towards that January 8th opening day? Well, we, you, you usually have about five weeks. We'll have three because we've got a dead period in there. So we'll get about three three weeks in a couple days. So you're right. It's not that far off. Um, but it's, it's more, you know, we kind of met as a staff – uh, the last couple of days, I said, okay, what do we really need to do? Because usually you build your defense, you progress, you know, offense, you stuff, you do some drills. You, you, and and I think we kind of came to the conclusion we had, you know, four bullet points on offense and four bullet points on defense and said we got to get right to this. We don't have time to build up to it. And that's that's the one thing I think that was different from the past years um, and then we've got to, I think we've got to find some, you know, normally you've get, uh, you get to play three exhibition or scrimmage games. So we're working on that right now, see if we can get, you know, maybe two of those before we go home for the break, maybe three, and then maybe one right when we come back, you know, just to kind of get ready for an opponent. And, and, and really, you know, we're a little bit short on numbers this year. Um, so, It'll, you know, when you go in practice, you're going five on five, five on five. You really wear your players, um, and I think by going against somebody else, we can we can learn by resting, and we can play. Um, you're not playing ten; you're playing five, and so I think it, it, it rests your players a little bit, doesn't wear them as much. No, you you're big into skill development, and especially offensively, and you get that by the repetitions of smaller groups. So I know talking to you through this. You've enjoyed, actually, this development time period. You haven't enjoyed, obviously, the pandemic, but you've enjoyed working with the kids in those smaller groups and getting that skill development, which I know you've talked in the past, you think that's missing from the game. I, I, I think there's, you're, there's spot on, you know, spot on with that. I think it's really helped, especially our younger players, um, you know, to develop offensively and, and even, even defensively. We did a lot of drills you could do one on zero. It's amazing the things that we came up with to help our players at least un get an understanding of the defense and and some vision stuff and some footwork and balance stuff um, that you you sometimes like you said when you when you got to play when you October fifteenth the first practice and you're playing November fifteenth you don't you kind of speed through those things you kind of go fast forward and and run over them. with this where this year we didn't have to do that and and I think we've had uh, I think players developed a little bit. Uh, develop more and I think your younger players really developed more than we, we thought they would 
Coach, you've kind of earned a reputation now of coming with some, I don't want to say wacky, but you definitely find some unique drills to do anyway, no matter what. Is there a drill that you found this year that you're most proud of or maybe one that really stands out to you as a unique way that you found to create a drill to kind of simulate that game action? Well, yeah, we have a few of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, the one we, we were going to have our players guard remote control cars, but uh, we never did get to that. And, and, <laughs> and, and really, to, just to be one-on-one -on -one guarding them, you know, going up and down the floor. Um, but we did, we had these big mats, floor mats, that we rolled up and we put a chair on top of them and then taped a basketball up. Um, and then we would, you know, players would, if, you, if the coach that was 10 feet behind would shot fake, you'd have to go up and tip the ball. And then we put two cones down. They would point. You had to sprint back to a cone. Um, we did we did a closeout drill. They'd close out to that same blocking dummy with the with the chair on top and then you'd throw the basketball towards the basket and kids had to sprint back get in front of the basketball and we'd spin it and you know just different things i thought that uh to as much as you can to simulate a a person guarding uh and i thought it was pretty good you know we 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 convert down and positioning drills guarding the blocking dummies and you know it was all it was it was um it was monotonous but yet creative, and I thought we got some stuff accomplished by doing it. I've got some kids in the neighborhood that are really good with remote control cars. <laughs> we get them cleared through the NCAA clearinghouse to practice, and you can, I can bring them in, and we can do the remote control card, yeah. card because I guarantee Jake and I would love to get video of that. <laughs> How do you come up with those, uh, those ideas? these drills what do you sit in your basement and think about them and draw them up or is it something that strikes you like a bolt of lightning how do, how do these come to your brain you he's know, a cheese head he yeah. sits outside and thinks of these everybody else is inside in the winter he's yeah. got a fire going outside at his house sitting in these thinking of these drills yeah you're right it, it it's uh it is you don't you just try to what are ways you can do it you know and it's just you know I, we're, we're big in a tipping shot so one day I, you know I was, in practice, one we were doing, I said, "What if we put a chair up there and put a ball in the chair?" You know, we we thought about one where on top of those dummies we'd have a like a broom, put the ball on top of the broom, and someone sat ten feet behind and pull the handle down, the ball would pop up and we'd tip that. I mean, we just, <laughs> I mean, it just anything to get you doing things that you're going to be able to do in a game uh, to get you ready. Well, all that stuff has to happen because of this COVID-19 pandemic, of course, and obviously it's looking like the light at the end of the tunnel, getting back to some games with some sense of normalcy. But let's go back because, Coach, you guys were down on the road in Springfield, Missouri, had just gotten off the bus in that Drury area getting ready to go to your practice that night when the news came down. We've talked a lot about how great that senior class was. To find out the way that they had to find out on ESPN's bottom line, essentially, saying that the NCAA had canceled the tournament and had canceled all winter and spring sports. Let's go back to that moment, if you could. Just kind of take us through the emotions that kind of hit you and your coaching staff and your team down at that hotel in Springfield. Well, it was it was really surreal. Um, and, and two things really stood out. Um, and, and again, what chance this group had to, to go on, who knows? It was an unbelievable regional. I mean, you had, I've, I'm sorry, but I think you had four of the top five teams in the country in the same region, which was, un, which was unbelievable. Uh, you know, and, um, and just to see, you know, how hard they worked, you know, get to the regional final the year before, return a very strong core nucleus of, of players, um, a couple additions, and, and, you know, um, and they, I think it was their mission from day one, um, you know, to get ready for that, to prepare for that. So to see that taken away, and I'm not, you know, again, saying it should have been or should have been, I'm not, that's not my position, but just the actuality, the reality that when it did happen, it was just, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and I always say that, you know, the players, um, you know, as a coach, you always have another chance. You know, when things happen, you lose the last game, and it, you you feel bad, and you feel bad for the players, and and uh, you. But you always have next year. You know, unless it's your last year as a coach, and the players don't. You know, especially those seniors, and to see how hard they worked and see what happened uh, to them was just it was just devastating. I mean, it was a, when we like you said we went in the boardroom, we got down there. We just got off the bus. The kids said we're going to shower quick because we had practiced in Missouri but didn't shower there. Then we drove three and a half hours, got there. They showered, uh, two and a half, whatever it was. Um, and then they get out of the shower, and we're going to meet. We're going to meet anyway. And it just, 
they saw it. We saw it. When we met, they knew. I mean, I, it was basically silence. You know, we grabbed for words. I did, then a couple of the players chimed in uh, and said some things. And, you know, it was tough. It was just, it was really tough. And I, and then we just, <laughs> we packed up, got back on the bus and headed back up to uh, Michigan. But, you know, I talked to him a little bit now and, and it was such a special group. And I think they've, yeah, it was tough on them, but they've moved on. I think they're, they're, they're players that had so much going on in their lives that basketball wasn't their end all, which was a good thing. And I think they've kind of moved on, but yeah, it was tough. What, when did it really hit? I mean, we get right back on the bus, you go to the top golf in St. Louis, and you're trying to do some fun things or on the bus for like basically four days straight going down and then coming back. When did it really hit you that this was just kind of over out of nowhere? You know, that's a good question. I, I think it, 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 it hit me when I started thinking of all my friends that were, that got cut short as well. You know, a good friend at a assistant, a mid major, and they'd made the first NC tournament in like 25 years, didn't get a chance to compete. One of my, you know, the former head coach here, um, Don Plitzowitz at South Dakota has a, a, a phenomenal team, could have made a huge deep run in the tournament, doesn't get to play. You know, we scrimmaged Hope College, um, they did an exhibition game at their place. Brian uh, uh, Morris, good friend of mine, the number one in the country, undefeated. I thought they had a heck of a team, could have won a national championship. They didn't get to play. So, you know, even even you think of Ashland and Drury, you know, the, the teams your conference, how good those teams were. I, I I just can't believe there was that group of teams in one regional thinking, man, they lost their opportunities. And and then here are you know our players. We're texting back and forth with Ashland's players about it ending, and they they had developed a great relationship over the years with our competitive games. And just to hear that that they lost those opportunities too, it's like man, it wasn't just our team. You know, it was a lot of people that lost this opportunity. And I guess that's when it really hit you, like man, it's this was this was uh, unprecedented. As we, you mentioned, that Ashland rivalry and friendship that kind of grew out of that, and that was really one of the coolest things that I've seen in a long time of two teams that are in the same conference that had two really, really unbelievable classes that kind of rose together. And we talk about our senior class. You look at the other side, Sarah Loomis, Jody Johnson, Renee Stimpert, that outstanding class that Ashland had and some of those battles that those two classes had against each other for about three years. Have you ever seen anything like that where two teams in the same conference have that same like big senior class that go at it like that for year after year? You know, it's funny because um, I, I just being around the GLIAC for so long, when I was in the UP as a high school coach and, and followed Tech and Northern, you had some of those same battles. It was really ironic. It was, you know, Coach Borseth at Michigan Tech and Coach Geary at Northern, and you saw those same battles, the same teams playing the GLIAC championship, team chiefs playing and playing in the region and playing each other four times a year, and you, you saw that, and so – you know, and then all of a sudden we got back down here, and and, and then when Coach, I was assistant with Coach Dawn, it was kind of Lake State and Grand Valley were kind of going at it for for about three four years there, and then now it became Grand Valley and Ashland going at it for the last you know played in the four of the five Gleick championships and 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 played in four three I think three of the five region tournaments and you know the big you know the big games you're playing. Uh, they're under you know forty some game winning streak and we beat them and then a seventy some home game and you beat you know it's like so you know you've kind of seen those things and and you, and you and you see that the the gyms were packed up at, up in the UP when those teams played the gyms were packed we had I mean Ashland always packed we had when we played Ashland here I mean we had some some unbelievable crowds so um, yeah it's just it's it's something. Um, that you know, we tell our players all the time, you're you're very for think how fortunate you are to play in these big games like this because it's there's nothing like it. As a coach, do you get any motivation from a crowd like that? We well, you know what it does. Players always feel when there's a bigger crowd. Does that have any impact on coaches? Do you think? I I think it does when you start the game, and then once the game starts, you don't realize the crowd's there. But when you know, but yeah, when they're being in those games, and you see that crowd, and you hear them, and you know, oh yeah, that's a that's a. It's an adrenaline rush, no question. Even as a coach, I think it is. One of the things I love, too, especially when we go down to Kate's Gymnasium, and you talk about this all the time, is how those Ashland fans would even – they loved playing Grand Valley, win or lose, because they loved the height of those games and how great those games were. Yeah, I, we got 
you know, many occasions fans would come up and say, Coach, tell your tell your players, man, this is just a quality group, a high-character group. We, we love how they compete, how they carry themselves, how you guys do. Um, I, I think there's only – I think – I, I did. I think it was one regional. Uh, I did get my only technical. I've gotten 40 years of coaching. Uh, I probably wasn't very character sportsman like on that occasion. Um, but other than that, I, you know, I think it was. I think there was a mutual respect. You know, uh, Sue Ramsey was the former coach. She come to all the games, say hi to us. We had her come and do a team building exercise. Um, you know, with our team last year before we started the year. And yeah, there was. It just. I think that's what happens when you. You know, you have those competitive programs. I think you develop a, um, a relationship and respect for one another, and that's what I think. That's what happened between our our two teams. I know. I know. Tim and I are super excited now to start talking about ahead because we've been talking about past, past, past for the whole time we've had this podcast. There's been <laughs> yeah. no sports to ramp up to, so now for the first time we get to actually look ahead to your season. The schedule is done. We know when the season starts. We know who you play. Starts with that game, the two games back to back at Saginaw Valley that first week in January. I know we're excited. How exciting is that now for your coaching staff, for your players? Now you're kind of looking at that. You're saying, okay, here's the countdown. Here's the tangible number. Here we go. Well, I got to ask you, have we had a sporting event this year? No. <laughs> we didn't have a – volleyball never did end up doing nope. anything. And well, we figured out 300 and So the last sporting days. event that was hosted by Grand Valley State was the Men's Basketball GLIAC Tournament Championship Michigan Tech between Michigan Tech and Northwood. The next game will be when Men's Basketball plays Saginaw Valley on January 9th, 307 days between yeah. events on campus at Grand Valley State. Yeah, that's just – that's amazing. I started – you mentioned that. I'm starting to think of that. My – but, uh, you know, yeah um, – uh, you know, we get a chance to play, and I think everybody's excited. I, I, I think, you know, it's it's funny when you don't get to do something that you normally get to do, and then all of a sudden an opportunity comes, you get to do it, you're just probably that much more excited, you know. And, uh, you know, and so it's it's I think it's something we've been working towards. I I, I honestly was driving to work today, and I got a little choked up here in my truck thinking that we finally get to go five on five against the defense we haven't done that and i'm thinking how well our team has handled it like i i I, i'm i'm almost blown away like they just how they've kept working how they stayed positive how they've um stayed committed you know with with not knowing what's going to happen you know it's been you know it's not like the the you know the carpet's been pulled out from under them but you know we started some doing some stuff in the summer then it got kind of pulled out then we came into school and and then got pulled out and it's like you know, okay, it's going to be this. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't have been, you know, because obviously the things that are going on has been unprecedented. But even with all those things happening, they have just stayed They've stayed committed. They've stayed positive. They've stayed engaged. Uh, and I just, I was, I, was, I, I couldn't believe, I was, I was choked up. I thought these kids have been unbelievable this well, year. Well, I, I, I think part of that is, though, too, you know, and, and Jake and I have seen this with all the programs, uh, our coaching staffs, you guys need to take credit for that because our coaching staffs have done an unbelievable job of keeping them engaged and keeping them informed and keeping them active. And, and the mental side, which is just as important as the, as the physical side, um, these kids want to work out, but they also are competitors and they want to compete against each other. And we've seen across the board football, soccer, volleyball, you know, men's women's basketball, um, you know, track and field, they were able to get out and run and do things. I mean, so they were competing, but not competing against other individuals. You know, golf and – but our coaches across the board have done an outstanding job, and you guys need to be commended for that because, you know, it is a mental and a physical toll on, on the kids and coaching staffs. I mean, you guys are you guys are accustomed to – I know Jake and I have never gone – I've been doing this for 30-plus years. I've never gone 306 days without an event, okay? Nope. So um, – and, and you guys are the same way. And so I think you guys need to be commended on how you've handled um, the, the delays and everything, you know, being put on hold. Yeah, that's really well said. But now, hopefully, 307 days later, we do get to play against. It'll be a new-look schedule now, no doubleheaders like we're used to. You're going to play back-to-back days against the same opponent at the same venue. But still, you get to play basketball. So let's get into that. You go to Saginaw Valley to start it out. What's Is there any difference now playing back-to-back days and playing in the same place twice and playing in the same opponent back-to-back days? How does that change maybe the way you strategize or the way you go into a game? Well, you know, 
Tim and I saw it when up in the UP with hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Came in and played the same team Friday night and the same team Saturday night. So been around a little bit for a few years. Um, so that's – but we haven't actually done it. I, I think, the, like we talked about, the back-to-back has been done. Um, you know, we do it twice usually – during a non-conference season, we'll play a back-to-back Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, you get the Gleick Tournament, you get to the Final Four, which we've been fortunate enough to do every year. You play back-to-back, get the Region Tournament, your first two games are back-to-back. So you do it, you know, at least three, four times a year. You've, you've been used to that. Um, so that, you know, you go play in Puerto Rico and you play back-to-back. So that, we're kind of used to that and we've kind of been through that. It's playing the same team um, and, and really, you know, I Got an email from uh, Tim Selgo, you know, said, hey, I saw your schedule, you know, you're playing back-to-back. I didn't know it was going to be the same two teams. You know, maybe you want to call up those hockey coaches that have, end up doing <laughs> it. And uh, I thought, that's maybe not a bad idea. Like, you know, just to find out, is there something in that formula that says, okay, you're going against the same team, you know, what what does that change things? And we've kind of thought about a little bit as a staff, finding, okay, what – what is that going to mean? And so nothing's really popped in yet, but, uh, yeah, it'll, it, it's, it's going to be different. Yeah, I just think of the strategy-wise, right? Do you want to show all your cards in your first day? Do you say, okay, well, if they can't stop this, let's not show them anything else because we've got to come back tomorrow with something new. How do you go back after that first game, break down that film in the quick 24-hour turnaround and say this is what they did well, this is how we can combat that? I think those second games are going to be really interesting to see how teams adjust, how they respond when they have a little bit of time to breathe and kind of look at them. I think that will be a really, really interesting part of the season too. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm kind of a win-now type guy, but – that's a good point. And then the second thing is like, okay, the mental aspect. Okay, you just won. Now you're coming back. Okay, what's going to happen? Well, you just lost the game, and now how does your team respond? How do you get them to respond? I think it's going to be more of a mental game, um, or maybe not more of, but there's probably going to be a lot of that compared to what you know, the adjustments you make, um, game planning. It's going to be that mentally how do those kids handle it you know if you, you just got beat how are they gonna you gotta play this team again how are you gonna you know <laughs> how are you gonna do this or you know uh but yeah that's it's gonna be interesting you got a really new look team i mean all five of your starters from a year ago graduate so i know you just finally rolled out the ball and played five on five today coach but i'll tell you what we didn't have to watch them play five on five to tell you this you got a lot of height on your team this year we do we do um you know we've got uh, some uh, freshmen coming in that you know, that's still coming off an ACL, hasn't been able to do any uh, uh, contact stuff yet, and we've got returnees with size. Um, we end up losing one of our returnees, uh, you know, six foot one Haley Swing, tore ACL um, in, in a drill. I think when we were allowed to do some stuff, they were playing three-on-three on, three on a side basket when we were doing group work, and she ended up um, doing that, so... But we do. We we've got some we've got some size. We got speed. We got some experience. We got some youth. You know, um, and the and the one thing we we all know is we've got a lot of players that haven't been in um, a lot of actual game action. So we don't know. You know, you're going in thinking, okay, how are we going to be? You know, we get we know we got talented kids. We know we got kids that are committed. They're working hard. They're just busting their tail. But What's that going to mean when you get to actually get into a game and, and see what happens? And hopefully that's why it's so important to get these preseason games, these exhibition games, so you can see some of that. What are you not only obviously getting to play, like you said, playing the five instead of the ten and getting a little chance to rest, what do you as coaches get to see when they play outside opponents and get to see them in a real game situation that helps you make some evaluations and some decisions before you have to roll the ball out for real? Well, I think a lot of it's going to see what they can do, you know, mentally, like how are you going to handle this right now? We're getting in a – you know, a, a live game here that we haven't played before because that's a big part of it. <clears throat> you know, we've talked to our players just a ton about being competitive and confident, you know, not not worrying about what just happened. You, What's the next play you can do? And, and, and a lot of that is, you know, we've gotten more into the mental aspect of the game and how important it is. But, uh, you know, it's it's can you how can you move on to the next play? How can you help your teammates move on to the next play? You know, what? how can you think positively instead of negatively? I, I didn't just miss a shot. I get a chance to take another shot. Or, you know, all those things I think are really big. And then and just, you know, when you get in games, you're going to see, you know, for us, I think the biggest part is going to be, okay, what, 
what's lineups are going to be like, you know, because we, you know, in the past years you kind of knew. These kids have been and they know what they can do. You know, we're going to be able to have to guard some shooters this game. We don't have to guard penetrators this game. Is this a post player, uh, a post-up team you're going against? And then, you know, what do we need? Do we need to get to the rim? Do we need shooters? Do we got to pound the ball in the block against this team? So it's going to see, you know, you kind of know where your players are at, but at the end of the day you need someone to go against to tell you, okay, what what lineups can you use, who are you going to play, what style are you going to play, and mentally where are they going to be. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's get some updates on some former Lakers, the ones that just graduated, starting with one that's playing overseas in Germany right now. What's Cassidy Bench up to? How's her season going playing professionally overseas? <laughs> She's doing really well. I, we get a chance uh, – we just our staff just zoomed her uh, last week. I think it was Thursday, and talked to her, and she showed us her apartment and her roommates. And you know they can't go too far, but she seems to really be enjoying it over there. Um, you know, I, I think it's unique. It's a different year because they can't travel as much as they want to, but they can still do a lot of things. And she's getting around a little bit, um, but she's doing really well. They played uh, four, I think, one scrimmage game and three games. I think she's player the player the game one game. Um, and uh, it's it's you know you talk to some of what, what's different over there. Well, they're more of a you know the lanes wider European basketball, so the post up game isn't as big. So she's not getting a chance to post up as much. It's a lot of pick and pop, catch at the elbow, handoff action, face and drive. Um, she's probably taken five more threes than she has in her whole career at Grand Valley. <laughs> so in three she's taking five. So she's taken five. <laughs> uh, you know and. Um, you know, just <laughs> sometimes not sure, like sometimes understanding the coaches when they talk and the officials, <laughs> uh, that's been different. She said, you know, she said she's been stopped on the street a couple times and people ask for directions and she says, I don't speak, you know, she can tell she can't speak, but they keep asking her questions. She's like, I don't, she just walks away. She says, I feel rude, but I just, I got to get out of there because I can't help them. But um, I think it's been, you know, it's been a, uh, a great experience for her. you know at, at Julia Brasseth now Julia Visser was her husband had played over there so she was kind of in that same area and said it's really a it's kind of a neat and, and good place to play and it's it's similar to where you're at here but it's still different so certainly a cool opportunity and then another former Laker that has another opportunity to stay in the basketball world Jen DeBoer she's coaching for you now she was your starting point guard for a few years now she's your assistant coach what's the tougher gen to corral the point guard gen or the assistant coach gen well uh it's a good question <laughs> you gotta keep your eye on both of them you know i mean it's like it's not an easy task no uh she's been good she's been really really good you know i think it's it's been kind of neat it's like we had uh cat Prairie was here before too and we had when she was the ga and you could ask them questions you know because they're still kind of connected to what's going on and just get their input in, you know, about these workouts and doing this and how our players are handling it. What do you think they need? And they can kind of give you that player's perspective, which is kind of nice, you know. And uh, she's been able to do that for us, which has been really good. And, you know, I think she's got those players' respect. You know, you see someone like that that's worked so hard and put in so much time, and now she's coaching you. So when she tells our players something, they, their ears are, their antennas are up and they're listening. Tim, you got any more questions? Yeah, you, uh, you're big into development. What returnee has probably developed the most from the end of last year to now coming in? And it, it, not just one, yep. but what are some kids that have developed for you during this off period? You know, I, I think it's been our upperclassmen, um, you know, the ones who are going to get a chance to play. And, and, you know, I think sometimes, and this is not like, it's just real, not some knock on them. They're looking ahead and saying, you know, and I, actually, Tim, I think you said this to me uh, earlier in the year. You know, you look at, they're like looking at, okay, here's Kathy, Jen, V, Taryn. How much time am I going to get um, to play? And, and not that they shouldn't keep working on it, and not that they didn't. But now it's like, okay, those players are gone. It's our turn. Now we really, it's more of a sense of urgency to step up. And I think that this summer, um, we had a chance to put them through drills uh, for about a month, five weeks. You know, it was just one-on-zero stuff outside an outdoor court. But I thought that really helped. And I thought those players said, okay, 
Oh, it's our turn now. And so you look at, you know, Emily Spitzley come back after an ACL, I think has taken strides. Sammy Garrels, I think it's really worked. We talked to her about being able to score the basketball. Um, Hannah Kulas, I think her confidence level is just at, a, at another level right now. You know, Brooke McKinley, I think is, and, and Carrie, you know, Tmeyer, I think are the players that, you know, the ones that are kind of your upperclassmen um, that really have taken a step, you know, a very, very noticeable step, and probably a step that, you know, quite frankly, I didn't know what they could take. And so uh, that's been fun to watch. Yeah, we're excited to see them as well as, in addition to that really exciting freshman class too. And, of course, you know, we're going to find out who shakes out into the starting roles and how everybody's playing minutes develop as we go on. And, of course, we'll talk to you as the season develops as well. We're really looking forward to getting the season started. Before we let you get out of here, though, we're going to do our team of the week. It's presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, here for you now more than ever. Confidence comes with every card. And since Coach Williams is with us, why wouldn't we go with the 2005-2006 women's basketball team as our team of the week? National champions, they went 33-3, and 17-1 in the GLIAC. They won the conference and tournament championships they avenged an early season loss to then number one drury with a win over the panthers on their home floor in the uh, sweet 16 to advance the elite eight they went on to win the national championship beating american international 58 to 52 a couple of players to point out to you include nikki reams who averaged 16.9 points a game crystal zick had 13 points four and a half assists a game she was outstanding as well coach you were the assistant coach on that team just take us back to that year what's obviously such a special run for you guys but just tell us what about that season what that meant to you yeah it it, it, uh, it was it, i'm learning going down to drury um you know coach john and i are pretty much sometimes can get down ourselves and our team but you know i, I remember we lost that first game to drury and it felt like are we going to win a game i'm serious like <laughs> and then we played and i can't was it it was i can't remember who it was it was uh Arkansas, so I don't know who we played next, but a good team. We went up beating them. I thought, okay, well, here we are. And then we kind of went through and, you know, played our conference season. And I remember we went up to Tech, and um, I can't remember the play. I don't want to call anybody out, but, you know, it was a close game back and forth. And we had a player drive down the left rail. I'll never forget it. it was going to pitch it to the corner. Tech player made a read, stole it. They went down, scored, won the game. Uh, and then we went, I remember in the locker room. Players told us, you know, and didn't know this till after a while. Went in there. We were up at Tech. Had never beaten them there. You know, fourth year we lost up there. Um, and came in and said, well, I'm never we're, – we're not blank and losing another game this year. And, I, and the player doesn't say much. You know, not one very vocal. And all the other players, like, holy cow, she's saying that. We're not losing another game the rest of this year. <laughs> and we didn't. We went on and – Obviously went down, and uh, I, I don't know what our numbers were offensively in that regional tournament. We, we played Ashland, and then the second game we were playing Northern Kentucky was really good. We posted numbers up, and we were up, uh, I, I'd be blind, but it was in the 20s. And all of a sudden they had a tornado warning. So we had to go down in the basement in the old Drury Gym, down the locker room, okay, and all of a sudden – the fans had nowhere to go, so they were all in our locker room with us. So we had parents, fans, some man, you know, people in the locker room, and I think I don't know how long it went. Tim, you were there, I think. Yep, yep, I was there, and I, I want to say it was a good half hour, 45 yep. minutes maybe, maybe even a little bit longer. But, yeah, I remember that. And, and then the night before the regional – wait, we had the tornado warning in the hotel also. Oh, from that hotel, from that tornado that blew like one road up, because yeah. we came down. That was on that Sunday night, um, and so it, we were in Tornado Alley yeah, right tornado there, and down there in Springfield, uh, Missouri. But yeah, it was it was a crazy, crazy weekend. And I mean, you guys just dominated. I mean, Drury was the host, had lost to them earlier this year. A, there was no way that uh, Brasseth, uh, Rise Camp. Zick or Reams was going to let Dury beat. I mean, that, that just wasn't happening. And Nikki was uh, um, playing on one knee, basically, yeah, and yeah. she dominated the game. And then, and then we came back. They didn't cool us off. We won the game, played Dury played in the final. We were up by a lot in that game, too. And they started to make a run back, and John tried to call a timeout and, and still kept going. I think we called another timeout and kept going. And I think the third one or whatever uh, at the quarter, I think Erica came and said something. She kind of got them together and – Started chest bumping them, saying, "We got this," we, you know, whatever. And I think they were like, "Okay, we got." You know, it's just the amazing of the. And then we came back and up winning by. I thought we separated one by thirteen or fourteen yeah. points, but 
Yeah, it was it was um and then you get to play in Hot Springs, you win the you know, the national championship. Uh just um you know, an unbelievable team and an unbelievable year. Yeah, and you had some veteran leaders on that team. You could tell a few of those stories that they were able to kind of take control of their own locker room. It's always cool when you hear that kind of stuff, too, that the players are kind of policing themselves and getting themselves in that position. Those national champion Lakers from 2005-2006 are our team of the week, presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Here for you now more than ever, confidence comes with every card. That's all the questions I got for you, Coach. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for spending some time. I know you're going to be busy this next month here. you got that holiday week, but other than that, it's go time, baby. You're grinding, so we appreciate you giving us a little bit of time here today. All right. Thank you. Fun to be here. That interview with head coach Mike Williams is brought to you by Alliance Beverage. Coors Light reminding you to drink responsibly, distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. The Anchor Up podcast is also brought to you in part by Homewood Suites Grand Rapids. Enjoy all the comforts of home at the only extended stay hotel in downtown Grand Rapids. By Uccellos, where great food and sports come together. By DTE Energy, know your own power. By Mervine Beverage, drink responsibly. And by Fox Motors. And Tim, you know, we had a great conversation with Coach Williams. I, I love when he kind of went into that recap of the 2005-2006 season. We were talking about it off-air. He didn't even get to the fact that you guys went to Hawaii that year. You guys had some even better stories from that yeah. trip, at, almost international. Yes, we did. We did uh, We did go to Hawaii that year. Uh, that was on the heels of the national championship. Uh, so for football. I, I was in Florence. For football, I was in Florence, Alabama um, with that 2005, yeah, 2005 national championship team. And uh, then I got back on that Saturday. No, Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon and then we left on that Tuesday to go to Hawaii and wow. uh so for the, the basketball tournament uh hosted by Northwest Missouri State um ironically who we, we just beat in the football national championship game <laughs> uh so yeah so then we, nice the, to see you again I'm yeah sure. the Lakers went the Lakers went back over went over to Hawaii and, and what a great team what a great uh just a b- b- bunch of ladies that was Nikki Reams Erica um uh right uh Rice was Camp, Rice Camp now Wallace, Crystal Zick, uh, Julia Brasseth, uh, just to name a few, and that team was loaded and they were good. And Nikki Reams, uh, still, I mean, she was the, the difference maker, obviously, and and that team winning the national championship. Well, she had the buzzer beater shot, right? That was the was that the big one that everybody remembers. Crystal Zick hit that shot. Oh, okay, Crystal Zick. Nikki Reams was just the do it all player. She was the best defender, the best scorer. Whatever you needed done, Nikki Reams got it done, and. Uh, uh, it was a lot of fun with those being over the, with those ladies, and uh, obviously the weather in Hawaii was uh, legendary, and so it was a good trip. Yeah, I'm jealous of that one for sure. But uh, uh, let's get on to some segments here. Our Lakers Senior Spotlight brought to you by Ziegler Automotive. This week's Senior Spotlight is Jessica Gockley of the women's cross-country team, a reigning All-American. She finished 18th at Nationals a year ago. She's a graduate student from Traverse City. She was a two-time All-GLIAC performer and also a UST FCCA All-American and two-time All-Region performer. So shout-out to her as our Ziegler Automotive Laker Senior Spotlight. Time now for our great moment in Laker history, and for that, Presented by Randy the Catterberg Agency. Tim Knott, I hand it over to you. Well, we're going to go to 2001 uh, volleyball. The 2001 volleyball team hosted the Elite Eight, won the regional championship, um, and earned the right to host the Elite Eight. Uh, the Lakers um, defeated Mercy out of New York in the first uh, Elite Eight qu- quarterfinal game, that is. 3-2, uh, to two, um, lost the first uh, match 25-30, to thir- or 20, 25-30. And then won 30-26, 30-19, lost 30-28, and then won the game five, uh, 15-9. And that propelled the Lakers to their first ever Final Four. That team had a uh, 22-match winning streak during the year going into that Final Four match, led by Carly Miller, Sheriff Fazenfeld, Tracy Skirpeck, Nicole Bale, and Sabrina Bird, which all those individuals um, are either in the Hall of Fame or will be going into the Hall of Fame. So that was a special team. They finished 29-5, and uh, and, uh, you know, it was Hosting that was a lot of fun. Hosting that Elite Eight was a lot of fun. We actually moved our women's basketball tournament to the rec center that we were hosting that weekend because it was already set, and they won't let you take the nets down when the Elite Eight starts in volleyball. Once they go up, they stay up. Mm. Um, So we had to move the women's basketball tournament to the rec center. Football was playing in the playoffs as well, and so uh, um, it was a, a busy weekend, and as much as we've talked about lack of events, there was no lack of events that weekend. Uh, we were hosting uh, a, 
a lot. And it well, was I was going to ask you how that compares. What we'll be staring down here in about uh, yeah, two months well, very when similar. crossover so been, season gets rolling. Very similar. So uh, I've been through it, and we will adjust. Oh, we will certainly have a lot of fun. I would rather have too many events than not enough any day of the week, and that is certainly on its way starting next month when basketball, track and field, and swimming and diving get started in January. Well, speaking of ramping up, the college football playoff is on its way, Tim. And, of course, all the talk in the – Great Mitten has been about that Ohio State-Michigan, the game that is now not a game. Well, 1917 was the last time that game was not played uh, between Michigan and Ohio State. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, in these weird times and uh, the Big Ten, which is making their decision, I think they made the decision to allow Ohio State uh, to play in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, they voted Uh, on it. That was a pretty obvious vote. um, Which uh, you and I were talking earlier I, mean, I personally think the college football playoff is almost set. I think uh, if Alabama beats Florida, Notre Dame beats Clemson, you're going to see Alabama, Notre Dame, um, and then you'll have Ohio State. You've got to put Texas A&M, Texas A&M over A&M. a two-loss Clemson if Cle- team, if, right? If Clemson loses. Now, I think it'll be those individuals, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame. If Florida beats Alabama, if Clemson beats – Notre Dame, I think you're going to see Florida, Clemson, you're going to see Notre Dame, and Alabama. Ohio State so either way, you don't, you don't really see a do. way that Ohio State yep. has a path to get in there. Even if they go 7-0, and they win the Doesn't Big Ten matter. championship, they just haven't played enough games. Nope. And, I mean, you go back and you look at this, and, of course, all the Michigan fans are hooting and hollering, Ohio State's hooting and hollering. We heard it earlier this year when Dabo Sweeney was going at the throats of Florida State for their decision right. to cancel that game after Clemson had already showed up down in Tallahassee. And, look, I don't know what's right in these day and age and these times, and I'm never going to accuse anybody of intentionally cheating the system or doing something that wouldn't be right for their kids or their program but it, it does beg the question and we've talked about this a lot is it that they don't have enough players right. or they don't have the right players and is that fair to either side to say that we get to pick and choose well if this guy's not available we don't play but if he is available we do play or do you just line it up with strict numbers there, there's so much that goes into this it's hard to really take it for what it is it, it, yeah exactly and you and you don't know you know Ohio State was extremely um, forthcoming in terms of they were playing without 23 players. They wanted to get out there that this is what we're trying to do because they saw what was coming down. Right. Uh, we, we have 23 guys that are out. We're still fielding a team going to Michigan State and, and to play that game. Now, they understood that their backups are, would be starters at Michigan State anyways. So we're going to, you know, it's not, it's not right. like we're going on a limb here. Um, you know, so they were setting the stage for this, saying, look, this is what we did to play. What are you going to do, Michigan, to play? How many county kids do you have out? I mean, and, and so Ohio State was being forthcoming. And, you know, in, in a, of course, no one's going to accuse a school of that. Right. You know, of not playing because of. Well, Dabble said he reason. did. But. Well, Dabble did. Yeah, he, I guess he did. <laughs> um, but, you know, you don't know. I mean, you know, and is it because we don't want to play our third string quarterback? I mean, he's able to play. He's right. on scholarship. I mean, you look at what Wisconsin did earlier this year when they had their starter get hurt, then their second and third string yes. both get popped with positive tests. They ran their fourth string quarterback out there. They wanted to play a game. Yep. So, so you know, teach his own. Uh, you know, and again, not to harp on whether or not anybody's doing anything nefarious or if there's any ill will going on. I'm saying right now, to me personally, knowing what we know about wanting to play games, wanting our kids the opportunity to play games, if I had enough players – now to have players playing in the right positions and right, have everybody right, doing exactly. something that is healthy and safe. If you don't have an offensive line, you can't play can't in play the game football of football. Game. Exactly. Just, you're not going to take seven patchwork people and right. put them as an offensive line. No, if but if you have enough at every position to play the game, even if they are not your everyday starters, if right. they are on scholarship, they're on your roster because you think they are part of a football team at your level and you have enough to play the game, me personally, I say you should play. Well, yeah, I do too. And you've recruited them. This year doesn't even count anyways. So, it, so if you're playing a kid for the first time, that freshman, he hasn't Call played experience. yet. Call it experience. I mean, it's, it doesn't count against him. It doesn't matter. Right. I mean, now, obviously, they're, it's a big game. They're worried about the results. They uh, last couple of years haven't gone well. <laughs> uh, That's so, putting it nicely. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, but, again, uh, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, it's always a, it's a big game. It's a rivalry game. It's always fun to watch the pageantry. Uh, the excitement, regardless of how the teams are playing, and it, it's it's fun. So now we're going to turn our attention to the championship weekend when uh, 
it looks like Ohio State was going to play Northwestern probably. Probably. I think. Yeah, Northwestern. And uh, ironically enough, uh, Michigan will play Minnesota, who they've already played in, in the first game of the year. And, and beat Northwestern. So everything comes everything full comes circle. around. Yeah, yes. I do like this one-off situation where that last game of the year, the one plays the yeah. one, the two plays the two. Yeah. I think that's a that might be something down the line that yeah. might become a thing. Yep. It's especially if it gets harder to travel now, and maybe teams are less likely to mm -hmm. play those non-conference games, or you don't want to do that guarantee game. Maybe that becomes something. Whether it's at the Division One level, the Division Two level, yep. whatever, you find a way to find that last game of the year, give everybody that chance to play that game by doing something like that. I think it's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, you know, it, and I kind of like what's been done here. Uh, you know, Liberty couldn't play Coastal Carolina. BYU didn't have an op opponent. And then all of a sudden they call and say, hey, you want to play? Sure. Oh, and let's just make the best college football game of the year. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> you know, you, again, individual, the kids want to play, and then the adults are figuring out ways where they can still play. And that's, that, that, that's what makes it fun. I mean, and how incredible was that game? Oh, it was an unbelievable game. I mean, just uh, – To have BYU turn to Sunder at the two-yard line with that drive, they, got, they forced Coastal to punt. Yep. I was watching that game. I was thinking, you can't punt this football. you got to go for it. You can get two yards. Yep. They punted, and it almost cost them, it but they were able to get them. the stop. It almost cost them. What, what was the, the great thing was the BYU equipment truck had to leave before the game was even assigned. I mean, it wasn't for sure that they were even going to play. They had to go just in, in case. In order for the BYU equipment truck to make it from Provo, Utah to Coastal Carolina, they had to leave before it was even agreed upon that they were going to play. Like, hey, if we're going to do this, you got to leave now to get there and for our, our, our equipment to get there in time because it's like a 40-hour uh, trip. Well, the good news is they're off that week if they don't play coast. Uh, so the worst hey, comes to worst, hey, you just turn right back around. Yeah, exactly. Or just keep going to the coast. You know what? That wouldn't have been a bad days. idea either. Uh, you know, yeah, they might have volunteered to do they, it. Hey, I'll, yeah, I'll go to Conway, South Carolina that, just in case. You never I, know. It's beautiful out there. That, I'd make that trip. Yeah, it's not Make a bad one. It's going from Provo, Utah. I would imagine that it's got a little bit more yeah. uh, scenery out yeah. there. But speaking of scenery, we'll be seeing some basketball here in just a month. Really big thanks to Mike Williams once again for giving us a, his time here as we previewed the women's team this week. Next week, we will talk to head coach Rick Wesley of the men's basketball team and preview them. Then we'll take a couple of weeks off for the holidays and come back and jump right into basketball season. So believe it or not, folks, it is here. But I'll tell you what, Tim, we talked a lot about this women's team. There's a lot of question marks on this team, some new opportunities for players to step into roles on that men's basketball team. We'll talk about it a lot next week, but there are some real really big names that we are excited to see play this senior year and maybe even play a year after that. It's kind of the women's 2019-20 uh, reversed yeah. where the men's team this year has all those uh, all those individuals coming back, uh, All-American Jake Van Tuberken, uh, Christian Negron, I mean, you, you name it. Key players at each position are, are, are coming back, and I know they're excited about the upcoming season. Yeah, we'll be excited to talk to Coach Wesley about that next week and get his take on the season that's right around the corner. That's our show for this week. Big thanks to you for tuning in. Again, thanks to Coach Williams for joining us. Tim, as always, pleasure. Thanks, Jake. Great job. All right, Laker Nation, we'll talk to you next week. Until then, as always, anchor up. Oh, oh, oh.